Turn your Bibles, please, to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Everybody all right? Amen. Ephesians chapter 4. Now there are several verses I want to look at tonight, and we will get to Ephesians chapter 4 eventually. But uh, I'm going to read those verses for the sake of time and for the sake of the flow of the message so we're not turning back and forth and going to so many verses. Uh, I'll just let you keep your place here in Ephesians chapter 4, and that's where we'll end up. Uh, about three months ago, Brother Gravely uh, asked me to preach on tonight. And uh, so I started preparing, started working a little bit at a time on a message. But then here about three weeks ago, I felt like the Lord uh, kind of changed directions and, and wanted me to preach this message instead. So I want, to, I want to preach on a specific sin tonight that affects every one of us. And I, and I believe that everybody in this building has been touched or affected by that sin one way or another. Now, there may not be anybody at all experiencing that sin right now in your, in your life right now. But I think that at one time or another, you have before in the past and you probably will in the future. And so uh, this is a, a specific sin. And uh, there, there probably are people struggling with it right now. I've struggled with it in my own life. And like I said, it's a sin that will touch every one of us. But we need to know what to do with it when it comes along, like with any sin. And uh, what I preach tonight is not just uh, to deal with this particular sin. But this, what I preach tonight, can apply to any sin in our life. And I want to preach this message tonight for three reasons. I preach on this subject. Number one, so God will get the glory. Amen. Number two, so those struggling with this sin will get the victory over it. And number three as a preventative for the rest of us, that when that temptation, when that sin does come and face us, that we'll know how to handle it, we'll know how to deal with it, and we'll know how to, to resist it and have victory over it so it does not overcome us. I want to be sensitive about what I say tonight. When, in, pre, in preparing for this message, I, I thought about some things that, I, that, that could be said uh, or something that could be said that, that, could, that could hurt somebody. And, and I, I don't want to hurt anyone at all. I want to help us tonight. I want to help myself. This message has helped me. Uh, and, and, if I, and if I continue to dig into it, I mean, I'll just scratch the surface on it. Uh, so I want to be sensitive, not by what I say. And I don't want anyone here to think I'm picking on them or their circumstance. I don't know everybody's life. So if I preach something and it hits, and it hits home to you, then it's not me just uh, trying to go after you. But uh, let, let it be the Holy Spirit that speaks to your heart tonight. Uh, Hosea chapter 6 and verse 1 uh, says, Come. And let us return unto the Lord, for he has torn, he hath torn, and he will heal us. He has smitten, and he will bind us up. Sometimes the Lord has to tear us up in order to heal us. Sometimes we have to go to the surgeon. The doctor has to take his knife out and cut us and do surgery on us to cut out a cancer, or to cut out a disease, or to cut out a problem or a tumor that we may have. There's pain involved. And sometimes the Lord has to cut on us to get the poison out, to get the stuff out of our lives. But we have to be willing to go under the knife. And we can go to a doctor and the doctor says, here's what I need to do, but we can refuse to do what he says and we can walk on in our life and not, 
And likewise, in the spiritual sense, the, the great physician, our Lord, wants to work deeply in our lives to cut out the things and to bring sanctification and, and holiness into our lives. But if we, do, if we don't allow him to, then he can't, even though he, he wants to. And if we f- refuse to, sometimes there's chastening or sometimes he may let us go on and, and that thing will destroy us and eat us, eat us up. There's pain involved, but we need to be willing to go under the knife. The sin I'm talking about tonight is bitterness. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15 says, Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. It's a root of bitterness. A root is something that we can't see growing. A root is under the ground. We don't know what's going on. It's growing just like a tumor would be growing, and we wouldn't know it unless we went to the doctor and, and were examined. And so a tumor can be growing. We may not even know it's there. But sooner or later, that, that root brings forth fruit. And it brings forth a bitter fruit. And that fruit can kill and destroy. And so the root of bitterness needs to be stopped. It needs to be cut out. It needs to be destroyed. The Bible says looking diligently. That means it's our responsibility. We are to look diligently. Uh, lest any man fail of the grace of God, especially in our own life. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you. And thereby many... Be defiled. A root of bitterness doesn't just affect me or just affect you. It affects those around us. Uh, some may not even realize they have the root growing. And, and it, or may not even realize that they have bitterness in their life. But others see it. it, it's, it because sin blinds us. Uh, bitterness doesn't just affect you. It affects everyone around us, as I've said. Bitterness affects marriages. Bitterness affects families. It affects relationships. It affects friendships. It even affects us in the workplace where we can be bitter. Uh, it affects us in church. It can cause a church split or a loss of God's presence. Uh, bitterness will affect your attitude. It will affect your body, your soul, your mind, your spirit. It will affect our spiritual life and hinder our spiritual growth and prayer life. Bitterness is a killer. Bitterness can lead to anger. And when anger, when a person is angry, adrenaline and hormones are released into our body system, causing high blood pressure. It can cause depression, ulcers, stroke and heart attack have been linked to, the control, uh, to those controlled by bitterness. So bitterness is not only dangerous uh, spiritually, but it's dangerous physically, dangerous mentally, emotionally. Uh, there are many things that could cause bitterness, as I've mentioned, but bitterness is a choice. Just like forgiveness is a choice. Bitterness is a choice. We don't have to live in bitterness. It can become a stronghold, and that stronghold needs to be broken. Something someone said maybe can cause bitterness, or maybe something someone didn't say may cause bitterness. Maybe we didn't get the pat on the back we thought we should get. Uh, and there's pride there. And, of course, pride is a sin we all deal with. Uh, maybe you did something and somebody else got recognized for it. You know, little things like that. We, we may think, well, that, that's nothing. But, you know, uh, some of us are weaker than others. And, and anything could happen in our lives. A broken marriage, a broken relationship, a prodigal child. Uh, you can blame your, your spouse or your family or your church or your youth group for a prodigal child. You can blame yourself. You might even blame God. But uh, no one is to blame because, it, excuse me, everyone makes their own choices. As hard as it is, we must love those unconditionally. We must love Anyone who would go astray, a church member who would go astray, or a prodigal child, they should be loved unconditionally. That doesn't mean we excuse their sin, but we do love them and we do pray for them and maybe even fast for them to return. Uh, some people can be bitter over health problems, some over unanswered prayer. They prayed and it never happened, and it'll, it'll never happen. Uh, and, and we don't understand those things, but God has a, a greater plan. Uh, material things, some can be... Uh, uh, 
because uh, they don't have what the Joneses have. You know, everybody's trying to get what everybody else has, a material thing. Someone got something and you didn't get it or I didn't get it. Or somebody's got a new car and, and we're driving around in the junker. Or somebody's got a new house and we live in a shack. Someone's got a high paying job and we work at McDonald's and we can be bitter about that. But, but instead, of, instead of trusting in the sovereignty of God, they're leaning on their own understanding. Uh, some people are bitter over their problems and some people are bitter over their past. And, and thankfully, we don't have to be bitter over our past, though we've made many mistakes. All of us have, some of us more serious than others. We can't change our past, but thank God the past is under the blood. And the past is covered and taken care of. Some people are bitter over their problems, over their past. Some people are bitter over their present, their present circumstances. Some people are bitter over their parents. My dad was an alcoholic and abusive. I chose to forgive him. I chose uh, forgiveness over bitterness. And uh, there's victory there. And, and there's release and there's freedom in, uh, in forgiving people and letting things go and realizing that it's in the past and it's under the blood. Thank God for the blood of Christ that washes, as we sang tonight, thank God for the blood of Christ that washes away sin. Hallelujah for the blood. Uh, some are bitter over their work situation. You may be at work, and I've seen this in my own workplace. I don't know how many times, and you've seen it too. I, probably, you could probably testify to this fact tonight, that while you're working, other people are standing around. And sometimes the boss doesn't even say anything. He lets them get by with it. Or they're sitting in the office while you're working. But you know what? You don't answer to them. You answer to the Lord. The Lord is our boss. And uh, the boss doesn't say anything. And, well, let me give you a prescription for it. The prescription is found. This has helped me. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 22 through 25 tells us servants, or in our, in our language today we would say employees. Employees in all things obey your masters according to the flesh. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord. And not unto men. When, you're, when we're restocking those shelves, we're doing it for the Lord. When we're cleaning the toilet, we're doing it for the Lord at work. When we're sweeping the floor at, at, at work, we're, we're doing it for the Lord. Knowing that of the Lord, uh, you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. You see that? It doesn't say you're serving your supervisor. Now, we are serving our supervisor, and we are serving the people we work with, and the company we work for. We are serving them, but... We are serving the Lord. He's over it all. He's the one who gave us the job. He's the one who, who uh, gives us our paycheck. But look, look at verse 25. Oh, don't look at verse 20. <laughs> you have to turn there. I'm, I'm there. I'll read it to you. You can write it down for later. All right. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done. And there is no respect to persons. Those guys standing around, those, those women standing around gossiping and talking at the water fountain or whatever. Uh, I mean, let's not have a bad attitude about them. Let's say, oh, yeah, God's going to deal with them. He's going to judge them. No, let's pray for them. You know, when we're praying for them, it'll change our attitude. There was a man that I, uh, there was a man, uh, one of, uh, he, he's, a, he's higher up in the company. And I, I don't see him a lot, but uh, he works in another warehouse. But he's over my warehouse and uh, I think another, maybe another warehouse and over the warehouse that he stays in. But, uh, you know, there's people that don't like this guy. They didn't like him. And I had a, I, I kind of had an attitude to warn myself, confession, confession time here. And, uh, but you know what? When I saw him as a person who had a family and who had problems himself, and when I prayed for him, God changed my attitude. And so I could walk across the parking lot going in that warehouse where I used to work, and I could pray for him in the morning when I was going in. I remember doing that maybe more than one morning. And that, that changes our attitude toward people. And uh, we don't have to be bitter over them. We can be better. Uh, so uh, let's move along here. There may be someone... Uh, in, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say this. There may, be, there may be some 
who are molested or raped. That's a horrible thing, a horrible thing. Hopefully there's nobody here like that, but uh, I mean, with all of our past, there's no telling. And, and sometimes a person will blame themselves. They're not to blame. You're not to blame. It wasn't your fault. Somehow, some, the devil will come along and he will blame you. I've heard, that, I've heard before that, that people believe that, that they were to blame. They, you're, they were not to blame. They're not to blame. If they were molested or raped, they are not to blame. That is a lie of the devil. That is a lie. The, uh, the devil wants to use it to destroy you. Now, um, let me say this. I believe that rapists and child molesters should be executed. But those who are raped, those who have been raped and those who have been molested should not sentence themselves to a life of bitterness. There's freedom. You can be free. You don't have to live in bitterness. Now, I would say this to anyone. I don't, like again I said, I don't know if anybody here is like that at all. But if you ever come across anybody like that, encourage them to go get help to go get counseling, to go talk to a man of God or a woman of God where they can get help so they don't have to live as a prisoner under, under, uh, under the prison house of bitterness. They can go get help. They can run to the refuge, the Lord Jesus Christ, and they can be delivered. I've heard stories before of people who have had that problem, who have been raped or molested, and they've gotten victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. John 10.10 10 says, The thief cometh not, before, uh, not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's the thief's job. He comes to kill and destroy, uh, to kill and to steal and to destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Here we have the thief on one side. He wants to keep us bound in bitterness. And we have the Lord on the other side who says, Come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. And he wants to give us abundant life. The Trinity was involved in delivering us from bitterness and all sin for that matter. God the Father nailed our bitterness to the cross. God the Son bore our bitterness up Calvary's hill and covered it with His blood. God the Holy Spirit, the sweet Holy Spirit, lives in us to sweeten us and to keep the bitter spirit out. We can't have two spirits ruling in us at the same time. We can't have the Holy Spirit ruling in us and the, and the bitter spirit ruling in us at the same time. One will rule and, of course, we need to feed the, the Spirit of God. We need to be filled with the Spirit of God, as Brother Gradley preached on uh, Sunday night. Let me say we have no right to carry bitterness in our heart. We have no right to carry bitterness in our heart. To carry bitterness is to disobey God. To carry bitterness or any sin is to say that Christ's blood and forgiveness is not sufficient to help and to heal us. It is, it is denying the power of God. Perhaps to, live in, perhaps to live in bitterness is to blaspheme God. Some of us would never blaspheme God with our lips, but we blaspheme Him with our lives when we allow sin to control us. And men, here's one for us. Colossians 3 verse 19 says, Husbands, I'm, I'm one of them. I put myself in there. Husbands, love your wives. And we could just put a period right there, but there's a comma. It says, Husbands, love your wives. Love your wives. That, I mean, that'd take care of everything right there, wouldn't it? In the home, or, or pretty much everything. And we could say, Wives, love your husbands. And it does say that, I believe, in Titus. But it says, husbands, love your wives, comma, and here's the other part, and be not bitter against them. Evidently, there must be there's something in marriage where we can be bitter against our wives or, or you know, bitter against other people. We don't want bitterness in our own home. Uh, we want to keep the devil out. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. You may say, but she burnt the biscuits. Well, you know, uh, look at the positive side. At least you know that Evan still works. Uh, you say, she got a traffic ticket. She got a traffic ticket. And you never got a traffic ticket? <laughs> well, just a light moment there. So, 
Where was I? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. I told you we'd get there. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30. It says, and grieve not. And grieve not. You know, there's a difference between grieving and being bitter. We can grieve over lost souls. We can grieve over prodigal children. We can grieve over prodigal church members. We can grieve over our sin and the sins of others. There's a lot of things we can grieve over, but uh, the Holy Spirit never does get bitter, but He does grieve. It says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. It says, Let all bitterness, let all bitterness, all bitterness. That doesn't mean just the little bit bitterness or the big bitterness. And you, you say, well, I'll forgive so-and-so for that, but I won't forgive him for that. Or I'll forgive this person over here, but I won't forgive this person over here. God says, forgive, let all bitterness, all bitterness, whether it's economic bitterness or family bitterness or whatever it is, all bitterness, every category of it, every inch of it, don't hold on to any of it. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Notice the progression here. I saw this. It says, let all bitterness. Bitterness is the attitude. Evil speaking is the action. And malice is a desire to see someone hurt or suffer. Wanting to see somebody in pain or suffering. That's malice. I thought about Hillary Clinton. Someone may say, man, I wish a big old tree had fallen on her and break her legs or kill her or something. You know, we may not like her. We may not like what she stands for, but that's malice to say something like that. Uh, You know, I wonder, without anybody raising hands, I wonder how many of us have really even prayed for her that God would save her soul. You know, she's the soul that Christ died for. We could be in her position. We could be a lost liberal that never, you know, just we could be a lost heathen. You know, I believe she should go to jail, and that's not malice. That's justice. There's a difference between justice and malice. I believe she ought to go to jail, and she ought to pay for it, for what she's done. But uh, we don't want to bring malice upon her. Now, some of us men go to the jail, as uh, Brother Grant mentioned tonight. You know, we go to the jail. Some of the other men go to the jail. Uh, Some go there to uh, play instruments or to sing or for other reasons. But uh, we go to the jail to uh, share the gospel with people. And... uh, if I witness to a murderer and that murderer gets saved, then praise the Lord, that's why I'm there. But you know what? That murderer who has committed murder, who has broken the law, he should be punished for what he did. He should be executed for the crime of murder. Uh, the, the state has its responsibility, and their responsibility is to punish evildoers, or to put them to death or punish them, whatever the, uh, that fits the crime. But our responsibility is to go there to share the gospel. We're not to go there to judge them or to condemn them. We got the good news. The state can put them to death or punish them, but we're there to give them the gospel so they can be saved. So when they die, they won't go to hell. And also so that they will become a productive citizen. That's a, that's a, side, uh, that's a side benefit of salvation, uh, that they'll become good citizens and follow the Lord and work in sanctification in their lives. All right, let's read. Uh, it says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you. With all malice, be put away. Now that put away doesn't mean we just take it and stick it in a drawer and take it out later. That put away means to get it away from you, to put it away, to get it out of your life. I've got a weight here and uh, I'm going to put it away. I'm going to say this is bitterness here. The Bible says to put it away, to get it out of our lives. Actually, we could, to put it away, that's the best place to put it away is the cross where Christ shed his blood. To put it away from us. Now, we may walk away from it. It's out of our life. We're free from it. 
But you know what? The world or the flesh or the devil is going to come and pick that thing up and try to bring it back to you. But you know what you do? You just say, get thee behind me. You're gone. You don't have any more power nor authority over me. I've got the power and the authority of the blood of Jesus Christ, the power and the authority of the Word of God, the power and the authority of the Holy Scriptures, the power and the authority of the Spirit of the living God. And you have no authority at all in my life. I've been set free from you and I don't have to go back to that anymore. Even though it may try to come back in your life, even though that bitterness may come back. I mean, there's things in, in your life and my life that have happened before. We've gotten victory over them. But you know what? That thought life starts rolling again. And, and, that, and you think, man, and you start to get bitter about that. And you've already taken care of it before. It's time to kick it back out again. Just keep picking it out. Say, step away from the saint. Step away from the saints. Stay away. And so, you got the, you got the point there. It says, uh, put away from you with all malice. Hebrews 12, 1 says, lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. It'll slow us down. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We can't look unto Jesus and look unto bitterness at the same time. We can't, the, two, the two don't go together. We're either looking at our bitterness, our sin, or we're looking at the Savior. Looking unto Jesus. Uh, when the Lord tells us to put something out of our lives, He doesn't just leave an empty spot there. He tells us to put it out of our lives, and then He gives us something to put in His place. Verse 32 tells us what to put in His place. It says, And be ye kind one to another. That, that's the opposite of bitterness, kindness. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted. Tender-hearted. Now, how can we be tender-hearted? Well, we can pray, like I mentioned before, praying, praying for that person in your life, that supervisor, that boss that I was talking about earlier. We pray for them. That changes our attitude. We pray for that person who, who, might, who, who, who is an irritation to us. We pray for them and ask God to deal with them. Uh, we shed tears for them. Uh, we pray for their family. We pray for their problems. It says, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. If God forgave us, how can we not forgive other people? And then we think about Joseph. I know I mentioned Joseph before in a previous message. Uh, Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, rejected by his own brothers. He sold into slavery, spent 13 years in prison for something that he didn't do. 13 years of his life, 13 years of his young life spent in prison. He could have been bitter, but instead he became better and he became blessed. Uh, I'll share this, this, this story with you. This, uh, I met an older man, or an older man that I know, I saw some time back, who said he hadn't talked to his son in over a year. And they live in the same city. What a shame. And I know of a younger man who said he hadn't talked to his dad in probably a year and a half. I mean... What about birthdays and Christmas and you know, Thanksgiving and holidays? I mean, there's a phone. Can't you call him? I mean, what? it's sad. And it's a sad way to die. Sad way to live and a sad way to die. One of these days, one of them will die. And those opportunities to talk will be gone. They may not agree on everything. But they can still have a relationship. And we can be, we can be the same way. And, and I don't know if there's anybody here like that tonight. Maybe there's somebody you hadn't talked to for a while. Maybe there's a rift in, in a family member or something. You're a dad or a mom. or You know, they're not going to be there forever. A brother, a sister, a friend that you hadn't talked to. Something happened years ago. And uh, we actually had a friend come. Years, I'm, not, I'm not sure what happened. Well, I, I got an idea what happened. But uh, he, he just kind of fell out of, quit in contact with us for years. 
I mean, hardly stayed in town. But then one day he showed up at our house, and he, uh, man, he was crying, and he, he just wanted to be reconciled. And so uh, the Lord wants us to be reconciled with him through the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. And then he wants us to be reconciled with one another. Let me give you a song here. I'm going to read the words to this song, this song here. Up Calvary's mountain, one dreadful morn, walked Christ my Savior, weary and worn, facing for sinners death on the cross, that he might save them from endless loss. Father, forgive them. He's our example. Father, forgive them. Thus did he pray, even while his lifeblood flowed fast away. Praying for sinners while in such woe, no one but Jesus ever loved so. If he forgave us, we have no right to hold on to bitterness and not forgive others. I'll ask you instrumentalist to come. Can you see Jesus walking up Calvary's hill carrying your bitterness on his back so you won't have to carry it? Or whatever sin it is. The invitation's open. You obey the Lord.